What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. I wish we didn't have to brand anything, but people are so fucking stupid that you truly have to package things so that they can be like, ooh, that's pretty. I want to be involved with that. Like, they're dumb fucks. <laughs> uh, and I'm dumb too, but just not as dumb as mostly everybody else. Welcome to Writers Who Don't Write, a podcast about writing and the stories authors struggle to tell. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. And... Today is the day where Kyle makes fun of me for sniffling into the microphone. Uh, it's the worst time of year if you have to spend hours on a call with Jeff Umbro. I have to admit, it's pretty fucking miserable. My nose feels like it's going to fall off, and I cannot help but to sniffle right into the microphone so that it bugs the hell out of Kyle. Also, I'm still I'm not totally convinced that seasonal allergies exist i don't know why this is a weird conspiracy theory that just kind of sits in the back of my brain i I don't don't feel so i don't believe that they're real i don't think i have allergies i think this is just like me being sick but anyway now now you're gonna go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole are allergies real jeff or is it all just (laughs) concentrated sickness who knows i've I've never had allergies before but this is a big year of first for me so hell it's government it's government mind control via chemtrails supported by the vaccines you get you sound like the dude from S-Town. Everyone should listen to S-Town, by the way. It Tri- is a, Tripod. a fantastic podcast. It's so good. Uh, every time they say, the main, the, the, the I don't know if you'd call him the print, protagonist or antagonist, but one of the main characters in the story is named John B. McElmore. And every not time, spoil I, anything, are you? No, I'm just saying every time I hear his name is, uh, I just can't stop thinking about thrift, thrift shop. Do you think this is what uh, that Macklemore would be like if he were born in a small town in Alabama instead of wherever he was born and however he grew up? Now I'm just going to go down the Wikipedia page for Macklemore and figure out where he's from. It's like uh, Seattle or something. Anyway, so oh, it, is, it is Seattle. It is Seattle. You're right. I uh, know a lot about Macklemore. <laughs> today on the show, we have Corinne Fisher, who is one of the duo of hosts from the Guys We Fucked podcast, uh, the anti-slut shaming podcast. So Guys We Fucked is a show that I discovered, I have no idea, two years ago. I don't know how or when, but I've been you know, a pretty ardent listener ever since. Uh, they have you know, a million plus subscribers. Uh, they're very much an independent show. They're hilarious. They're both comedians in their free time. And they also do this podcast where they interview, uh, initially it was um, you know, past love interests, uh, now it's just kind of anybody that they feel like, other comedians, writers, actors. Uh, they've had a couple porn stars on the show. Um, and it's all about just being sex positive, uh, talking about like real issues that affect real people. Um, it's super good. I really, really love it. And we had her on the show this week uh, to chat about you know Trump versus Hillary, uh, the history of the show, um, liberal comedians in New York City. Uh, and you know monogamy versus polygamy and a number of other things also uh christine and corinne uh corinne is on the show christina is the other host of guys we fucked i have a book coming out the book is called fucked you can pre-order it on amazon and you can find all of that info at corinnefisher.com c-o-r-i-n-n-e-f-i-s-h-e-r or you can just google her name it'll come up she's really popular uh you can find her on twitter and stuff at philanthropy gal um, they have a new charity comedy show at Secret Brooklyn locations called Undie Party, uh, which you can find also on the website. And let's get right to it. Welcome, Corinne. Hi. Hey. Is it weird being here on your own? No. I- <laughs> I'm on lots of podcasts by myself. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I heard, uh, I think it was Heaven and Tracy from another round on a podcast once where they were talking about how they get like recognized at bars. Um, 
And I feel like you and Christina are kind of in that boat. Like you're at that level where people probably, you know, see you out and they recognize you and say like, holy shit, those are like the, the girls from Guys We Fucked. <laughs> Do you think we just hit, we just travel together <laughs> all the time? We, we both get recognized more when we're alone because in most times, you know, when we're in New York, we're by ourselves. Every Almost I would say almost every time I've gotten recognized, it was by myself and the same for Christina only because if we're together, it's mostly like either we're in her apartment recording, uh, we're in like an office writing something or we're doing a show where people are coming to see us. So Mm. we wouldn't be recognized like they were coming to see us in the first place. I think the my experience of you through the podcast is always together. So in my mind, <laughs> I had not yet imagined you as separate entity. Well, a lot of people who have been listening to uh, us for a long time will come to a show and be like, oh, my God, I had you guys mixed up. My world <laughs> has been rocked. And, and people can feel and even people like in the comedy community that we've known for a while uh, separately long before we were doing the podcast now like confuse us and I'm like guys how did that we didn't what we didn't swap bodies we didn't freaky Friday is that ever really annoying it's uh, always really annoying it is yeah because we're not the same person we're not even twins we don't even have the same color hair we don't even have the same color skin Christina has a huge rack like this it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> In no way, like, because it it bothers me because people are lazy and they're even lazy in identification. Yeah. Well, but it must be, like, at least nice to have somebody that you're so close with to talk about so many issues that are kind of sensitive. You know, like, bringing in your ex-boyfriends or something to talk to. Right, Um, yeah. No, I mean, we have an undeniable magical chemistry that has been in, you know, working for years. And uh, that's certainly rare and exciting and... I would, you know, wish that everyone could have that. But they don't, so they can suck it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kyle, Uh, we have to work on that. Well, no, one of the things I was going to say, I've noticed over the last year and a half or so of doing podcasts with Jeff as, uh, you know, my Christina, who is not quite so cool, I've picked up some of his worst, like some of the mannerisms of Jeff that annoy me, I've started picking up myself. Wow. Like, like what? Um, I'm not going to, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to air this publicly yet. I don't know if I'm ready to talk about it, but maybe by the end I will be. Oh, it's um, worse to dangle it in front of him and then he's gonna, just going to obsess over what it could possibly be. Well, right, I'm now he'll gonna, just have to think about it for the next week I'm just or so. going to exaggerate all of my worst qualities. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, do you, do you find yourself picking up on some of Christina's habits, um, either in comedy or just during the podcast? Do you, do you find that, uh, definitely like sayings or tones that we say things in or words that we say uh we definitely pick up on each other's uh habits in that way and then as far as like actual attributes um I mean I'm sure we we each rub off on each other a little bit I feel like I've made uh Christina like a little more able to stand up for herself um and then I feel like I've picked up better communication skills uh, with like partners and just people in general uh, from Christina. Cause normally I would just be like, I don't even, I'm not even interested in hearing it, but she has a nice way of being able to respond to someone who's like attacking her in a calm way. And usually they'll open up. Whereas I would just, you know, block them. And uh, I guess sometimes it's nice to hear the other side. It depends what kind of a mood I'm in. I'm the problem with me is I'm a little I'm a hard person to um, influence only because I've I've really been so me since I was like six. Like if you met six year old Corinne, you would be like she's kind of a cunt. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't you know I haven't changed. It was that bad that I would say it about a six year old. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not that I don't think I don't think of cunt as a bad word, though. I think cunt is just this this word that uh, society has created to describe uh, a strong woman. But it has a negative connotation because people feel negatively for the most part about strong women. And I know that's like every strong woman says that, but it's it's 100 percent true. And yes, there are dudes who like strong women, but like not, not a lot of them. 
So when you say cunt, you don't mean it in the negative connotation. You just mean you are very strong. You're a, a six-year-old with a strong personality. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think we're everyone. Everyone's using it in the same way, but a lot of people say it with like a tone where it's supposed to insult me, and it does not. Like it's on my website. <laughs> well, isn't it in Australia? Don't they say it just like as like a passing insult? You know, it's like not a big deal to say it out there. I mean, probably not in Australia and and guessing like Great Britain and stuff. They're just more chill out there in general. I've never been to Australia, so I can't really uh, speak to that. Uh, in in your last email to us, one of the things that you wanted to talk about is why feminism is failing. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this like at all related to that? Uh, I mean, certainly. It's you have to change so many people's uh, points of view, and Uh, A lot of feminists have kind of just taken to yelling and uh, and getting in fights. I mean, and the the worst part is getting in fights with people who pretty much share their viewpoints, Mm -hmm. such as myself. I mean, I get in fights all the time with other other people who identify as feminists, and it's I find it really upsetting because it's like unless you. Unless you agree 100% with their every detail of their opinion, they are unhappy. And that's kind of like, uh, that's like I'm talking about a mashup between fem- feminists and liberals right now. Because mm-hmm. I think it's also like a huge problem for liberals. But it's it's very unappealing. And if, me, and if someone like me who has spent literally the past three years of her life just thinking about feminist issues... Uh, is being turned off. I can only imagine uh, what people who were on the fence are thinking. And, you know, it's like, oh, fuck those people. But no, not fuck those people. We need a good, we need at least like 60% of people on board with this message for it to work. So that includes uh, men, <laughs> which people forget. <laughs> people are like, ah, fuck men. I'm like, yeah, fuck men. But this, this is, concepts need to be sold like they're a box of cereal. You got to promote it in a way we're going to trick people into getting it. And then they'll they'll start eating it. They'll be like, oh, I, I actually, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. This is good for me. I can Those do iron this. flakes really work in this context. Exactly. This is going to lower my cholesterol and it doesn't taste like garbage. So I, I've been having this same argument with, you know, my like liberal conservative friends. Um, and, you know, it's just everybody has, they're dead set in their ways. And it's this big echo chamber and it like, you know, nobody's going to change their minds and blah, right. blah, blah. Um, and I mean, it's really upsetting because there are some things that like, I think, you know, I, I guess everybody has their opinion of like what is right and what is wrong. And that's like very hard to change. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess what, like, what would you be doing in order to change people's, uh, like, opinions on, and approaches to feminism? I mean, bringing a sense of humor to it was the number one thing, because that that is sorely lacking. And every, you know, even I know so many uh, comedians who identify as both a comedian and a feminist and a liberal. Those are three things, so not both. So they identify as all of those things. And, but then you make a joke that even like knocks or blows over one of their ideals in the wind and they lose their fucking shit. (laughs) And that's, you can't have a conversation if you have to walk on hot coals the whole time. It is impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to when I was in grade school, like I, I'm a Jew and there was not, wasn't a lot of Jews in my school. And uh, people would say anti-Semitic things, but I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't storm out of the classroom and be like, I'm going to call the ACLU. I would be like, hey, like, why do you think, what what has, like, what in your life has happened that makes you have this weird view about Jewish people? And then they would tell me, and I would be like, okay, so I see what you mean. And I was like, obviously that can be true about some isolated people but overall maybe this is where that concept was coming from you know like jews are cheap i kind of i remember uh comparing it to like the native american philosophy of using all parts of things so like when they kill an animal they would use the the skin the bones the flesh every part of it and i was so because everyone thinks jews are cheap and i was like no i think they're just really good at uh 
appreciating what they have and not like going overboard because there's a lot of time a lot of jews come from poverty like yeah we're doing great now but not always my Mm -hmm. dad certainly was poor growing up yeah and i i totally see that i'm i'm a you know jewish kid from new hampshire so i think there's like six of us um, so I mean, I, I totally see what you mean. Um, yeah, people are really anti-Semitic, and no one and no one really knows or like notices or, or cares so much because like we are a group who is stereotypically doing pretty well, and that's fine. I'm not worked up about it, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, just as someone who's like, because uh, I'm only half Jewish, so it's like I I'm under just in a disguise a lot people just think i'm like an italian girl from jersey which is like part of it <laughs> so people say like real fucked up shit in front of me or ha- say things to me like everyone who's not a jew doesn't like jews and thinks they're cheap dirty liars and i'm just like what have you ever had the moment though where you just kind of like go overboard and somebody says something and you just cannot get past it and you have to like speak your mind about it I mean, sure, everyone has that moment. I mean, I've certainly had instances. I mean, the thing that I get worked up a lot about is, uh, like, a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff. People are very anti-Black Lives Matter, and they'll point to, like, that one instance where Black Lives Matter uh, got, quote-unquote, out of control. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I can't even believe it hasn't gotten out of control sooner. I was like, you know how mad I would be if I was constantly treated like a second-class citizen in my own fucking country that I was dragged to? Like, I would be mad, too. Um, <laughs> so stuff like that, or, I mean, anytime, like, uh, people are just completely ignorant about LGBTQ rights, because that's, like, my, that's my, pa- that's my passion project. That's my, that is my, those are my people. Um... So stuff like that, stuff about myself, I don't get as worked up about just because like I'm so secure in who I am. I can't really be wasting my time. Pe- mm-hmm. Throughout my life, people have had this weird obsession with trying to like catch me or like corner me and and uh, dissect uh, my brain and how, how, how I'm thinking and like try to get to this weak root that they think is deep inside. And I'm like, keep trying. It's not there. And if it is, and anything that is weak or like an Achilles heel of mine, I've already fucking told everybody on the podcast. So it's not a secret. So talk to us about how your show came about, because you were saying before that you, uh, you know, like aren't really afraid to touch on, you know, any topics about yourself. And, and that definitely shows with, with your show. Sure. Um, um, I'm a big fan of personal responsibility and dealing with your own shit personally, not uh, making that everyone else's problem. So uh, I was dumped by the former love of my life in a Panera Bread. His name is Frank. And uh, I had a meltdown like of epic proportions that last that was lasted like over a year and um i did a lot of a lot of stand-up during that time i feel like that's why i really came into my own on the stand-up stage uh but it was nearing you know the end of year one of uh pity party and i was like okay this needs to end now like i need to i need to do something because this is i can't live like this anymore this is not an, an okay way to live for anyone around me and certainly not for myself so I was kind of thinking about relationships for a lot of that time, talking to a lot of my coworkers who were married and just kind of like really truly figuring out how relationships work um, or if they work. Cause I still kind of, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And, uh, and I decided that it would be a good idea to much like John Cusack uh, go back and talk to everyone who I had ever slept with or had any kind of a romantic relationship with and really get some firsthand feedback about what it's like to date me and what kind of a partner I am. And I uh, I thought it'd be weird to just do it myself. And Christine and I had been working together on so many things over the years. So I pitched the idea to her. Uh, She was scared at first, but ended up coming around and uh, cause it was just an idea I couldn't get out of my head. Like it was always ca- called guys we fucked. It was a note in my phone and I just kept looking at it and kept looking at it. And I was like, I really just feel like this, we need to do this. Cause I was very anti-podcast before that. Cause that, it was like that first wave of every comic coming out with a podcast. Uh, but with this concept that this was the only medium that I felt that it worked to get real responses out of people because they just, people aren't the same when a camera's pointed on them and I didn't have the resources to write a, a book. Um, so I, so I decided on that and Christina yeah, came around and then 
suggested that we add the anti-slut shaming part so that we could talk about personal experiences and then also larger concepts. Uh, one of the things that I've heard, one of the common threads uh, through some of the stories that you guys tell seems to be a focus on not just, or I guess not crusading, and it comes back to the thing where we were talking about cunt, it seems to be a lot about rephrasing the conversation, sort of rebranding things to make sure that they're being portrayed in the light that maybe the people who they're being used to refer to are not uh, so much in control of. How much, how important is branding to what you guys do at Guys We Fucked? Uh, I mean, I think branding is in our culture is important for almost everything so our podcast would be no different i wish we didn't have to brand anything but people are so fucking stupid that you truly have to package things so that they can be like "Ooh, that's pretty i want to be involved with that like they're dumb fucks (laughs) uh and i'm dumb too but just not as dumb as mostly everybody else um so yeah i think it's really important because it's the Feminism as a concept, if you find equality between men and women unappealing, you're an idiot, you're a bigot, you're a terrible person. I don't think, I really don't think that many people think that concept is crazy or unappealing. What I do think a lot of people, men, women, and et cetera, think are, is unappealing is the way uh, feminism is being branded right now by most liberals. It's, it's too much. Like, you got to take baby steps. As much as I don't want people to take baby steps, and I wish everyone could just understand everyone with the, you know, drop of a hat, it's not going to happen. And with the shouting and the fighting, people are now just, instead of slowly seeing the other side, they're bringing everyone who feels the same way as them into like a shed, locking the door and throwing away the key. And that's why Donald Trump is president. And it's like the way people are reacting throughout this, you know, what is it, day 50 or 51 right now? It's like, I'm I'm going to vote for Donald Trump next time. I mean, I'm obviously not, oh, but God. like it's so fucking infuriating that I can mm-hmm. 100% see why this happened. And like I am, I have... I don't know that Hillary Clinton likes Hillary Clinton as much as I like Hillary Clinton. Like I was waiting for her to be president for as long as I can remember. I love that woman like a second mom. Um, Mm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, it's all about branding. Everything's about branding. There's a, there's a natural. So one of the reasons I find this to be an interesting topic is there's a natural tension between branding and the reality of any given issue Mm, which is where you get into the details and that's where you start to find a lot of the disagreements Mm -hmm. um so how do we how do we uh, coming back to why feminism might be failing how how do we start to bridge that gap between a very general brand that a lot of people can be on board with for instance uh, men and women should be equal. Seems like a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. Still not there yet. How do we bridge no, the gap between not. that and the details that people get caught yelling at each other about, even though they may be on the same general side? Yeah, I mean, the, it's a great question, and I, and I think about it almost uh, every second of every day. Uh, I, I think first off, and this is something I've I've kind of talked about before. I definitely talk about it in uh, the book that's coming out in October. But I mean, I think we have a lot. Uh, feminism can take a lot of notes from the civil rights movement and people don't like to hear uh, even hear that because as soon as you say that then the fight of uh, black people have had it harder than women starts and I'm like that's not what I'm saying I'm not saying anyone's had it harder than anyone else that's not I'm very sick of this struggle off that is everyone's had it harder than everyone else I get it I am I would never say that black people have not been consistently treated as second-class citizens. I think it's a huge problem. Uh, But I think we can also, like the point of history is not just to memorize a bunch of facts about a bunch of shit that happened. For 
for anyone who's like even a mildly deep thinker, the point of history is to learn from your fucking mistakes as a society. And we keep not doing it. There's things that happen again, like the Salem witch trials happen time and time again throughout history. Just keep happening and no one seems to see this. The same with the civil rights movement. I mean, I think just the way, for instance, black people have kind took back the power of the n-word i'm not saying that if you say the n-word to a black person it's not going to still hurt their feelings or feel like shit but i think they did a really good job about take about taking the power of their word into their own hands like this is something they they were like this is something that is said to us it makes us feel bad it's demeaning and we're just going to take this and we're going to put this into rap and we're going to call each other this in a way that is comfortable for us and this is our word and other people can't use it yeah good for you i love it i love i think that was a great fucking idea they've taken back the power uh for something they initially hadn't had control over yeah absolutely i mean that's the same because that's the kind of same theory that especially when guys we fucked uh started like I didn't initially, I didn't, I didn't even want to say slut at all. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, no, just take the power of the word back. That's take all you need to do. And I mean, certainly, of course, slut is not as uh, an aggressive as a word as the N word. But you can you can use someone else's branding strategy. There's no crime in that. Let's go back to the the why you've gone rogue in terms of your uh, liberal lean, I guess. Oh, because I mean, because I, feminism is like my project. So even though I don't really love uh, what people view as feminism right now or this branding that it has right now, I am willing to take the time to change that. And I think I've made, uh, along with Christina, some good headway in that. And I'm proud and I'm excited and I'll, and I'll keep doing it no matter how many times uh, people who say they like me uh, call me fat and tell me that my eyebrows aren't good. You know, <laughs> we'll keep fighting the good fight. Jesus. Um, but as far as like, but then when we go on to the branding of liberalism, I don't have time and I don't care as much about general politics as I do about like female issues, uh, you know, or, or, and female slash LGBTQ issues, I should say. Basically, you know, men, you can do what you want. You can hope you can all kill each other in a pit. I don't really care. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. Cause like I'm a woman, this is the stuff I care about. This is the things I want to do. Like politics overall, I mean, I think is a lot of horse shit. So I'm just not concerned. I'm not, it's not worth my time to rebrand it, but I certainly cannot, I cannot be associated by name with liberals as, as they are now, especially in New York and especially in the comedy scene. It's like this very kind of bubble that I live in, but these, but people who, you know, you would hope would be some of the most open-minded people in the world, uh, stand-up comics who are identify as liberal, who are living in New York City. Like, I don't know how much more left you can get. <laughs> um, but they, they, I feel the most scrutinized uh, by those people. They, they, can, they consistently push me away. So I'm not going to, I'm not, it's a group I don't need to be a part of. I know how I feel and I can uh, hang out by myself. On that note, because I know we've been, you know, just going down the rabbit hole with politics. Um, and like generally speaking, I think that most of our listeners are kind of uh, in the same boat. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this book that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Uh, I mean, since the very early days of the of the podcast, we had had uh, editors and, and publishing houses and book agents approaching us. Uh, wanting to do a book because, you know, when people smell money, they get excited. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and the first couple times that we kind of danced around the process, people wanted more of like a, a Chelsea Handler, my, my horizontal life. And I'm a huge fan of Chelsea and I do have her books, but I, that's not the book that I or Christina wanted to write because it's like, well, we just did this, spent, you know, a year talking about our sex stories in detail with the people we had the sex with. Why would we then go write it down? It's like, we've already heard this. We're not going to, you're not going to make any conclusions writing alone in your room that, that you didn't already make 
with the person who you had the sex with. So it just seemed like that wasn't the book for us. Uh, and then the, the uh, person we ended up working with, her name is Hillary at Harper One, which is a, a small section of Harper Collins. They, uh, she, she had been following us for a long time and she kind of grew as an editor uh, just as the podcast grew. So we both had kind of come into our own together and it felt like the right fit. And we were able to finally uh, reflect on all the things we've learned over the past three years and sit down and really write the book that we wanted to write. The, the book that complements the podcast, not regurgitates it. So two questions here. How much writing goes into the podcast? And can you give us a little more detail about like what's in the actual book? Um, so as far as writing with the podcast, there, there is none. (laughs) I mean, we go off the cuff in the strongest sense of the word. We, in fact, Christine and I uh, try to surprise one another. So if we're talking about something that happened in our real lives, uh, we purposely will withhold that information from one another, even though we're friends who text on a regular basis, just socially, uh, we'll withhold big things in our lives so that we can get a genuine reaction and response on the podcast from one another. Um, and then, I mean, like we'll obviously we do ads now, so we have to have that in writing and we'll have, you know, tour dates we're promoting. And if it's like a big thing that we need to commemorate, like, you know, Women's History Month or something, we'll, we'll, we'll say, oh, let's talk about that. But in general, very little writing because I think that's what makes it feel like a fresh conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certainly are wonderful podcasts that have a lot of writing and a lot of prep. That's just not what this particular yeah. podcast is. Well, it's funny because even when you have like written ads, you guys change them. Yeah. Well, because the copy they send you is so dumb and it's like, <laughs> we can't be, we can't be telling people to sell stuff like the way the companies want you to say it. It's yeah. ridiculous. They, you should just start your own marketing company. <laughs> you're, you're rebranding everything. Oh God. We get, in, we get in trouble sometimes. Do you? Uh, I wondered about that as someone who works at a, a PR slash marketing company doing those ads. They get very yeah. touchy when you change anything at all. Well, sure, because they spent a lot of money. They've had a lot of meetings. They've brought a lot of, uh, you know, people into the room to decide exactly how this item needs to be promoted. And that's all well and good. But we know our listeners better than anybody on the planet. So we know what they're going to, what's going to make them want to buy stuff or make them believe in a product. And we also, like, you know, we vet all the products. We we say no to so many sponsors and turn away so much money because of, you know, either something doesn't work, we think it's cheesy, we don't know if it's healthy because there's not been enough testing on it. Uh, things like alcohol and smoking across the board, we have a we have a no policy on. I mean, there's just some things that it's just not worth it mm-hmm. to promote. Um, and then back to the book, uh, I mean, we, we, we sat down and we made this huge outline about what the book was going to be about. And we kind of uh, framed it off of Maslow's hierarchy. And we were going to talk about sex and love and relationships kind of in accordance with that. And then we sat down at our computers and we were like, I don't want to write about any of this. Like none of this <laughs> interests me. Um, and as, as a writer in my own life, I never work off outlines. I don't even do rough drafts. I just, I procrastinate for a long time. And in that procrastination, uh, period, I think, I think over the concepts that I want to talk about in circles so much until I know exactly what it is that I want to say. And then I write it down. And I think we ended up doing that same thing with the book. And instead of, um, we had initially wanted to just like each like break the book up into chunks and then kind of edit one another's work so that it had the feeling that we, we wrote everything together. We kind of just totally separated the book into two chunks and Christina talks about what she wants to talk about. And I talk about what I want to talk about, which ended up me. I ended up talking about a lot about shame a lot about self-confidence, um, depression, uh, things that are kind of have become my specialties on the podcast and things that people write me specifically the most often about. And Christina 
talked more about you know a long-term relationship with a partner that you don't always want to be monogamous having those conversations with someone who you love that are very uncomfortable um a lot of sex how-tos as far as like butt play and threesomes um and and sex clubs like we both been to sex clubs but i think i don't think i talked about sex clubs i basically wrote half a book about sex that has nothing to do with sex <laughs> Not, nothing to do with the act of sex because i'm just so tired of talking about it and i think um there's so much more sex is very easy people think it's hard it's not hard so having sex is very easy i've had very little bad sex in my life and i think that's due to the fact that i went into that sex knowing who I am what, what I want and what I need. And that's what makes people have bad sex. Not being very clear with their partners about what they want and what they need and, and their comfort levels. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it definitely shows. It's like, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to get too far into this, um, but <laughs> like personally speaking, Welcome like, yes, that, that is definitely, um, you know, what I've found over the years. And, and it took me a long time to like get to that point. And, you know, part of that was your show. Part of that was me just getting older. Um, but like, that's a book that I would read. And I think it's super interesting. And like, how is the publisher framing this? Is this going to be like, you know, sex advice? Um, I mean, our editor kind of described it as half prescriptive, half philosophical. Christina's being the prescriptive part, mine being the philosophical part. We're going back into the edit now because it's like, it's so funny. We've sold all these copies of this book that's not even done yet. So <laughs> joke's on you guys. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, and I think we, sh- we are going to go back now and kind of, I'm going to have to add some more prescriptive and, and Christina's going to have to add some more philosophy. So it, it feels like a fully formed book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're, I mean, the title is fucked being sexually explorative and self-confident in a world that's screwed. The the initial title was fucked being uh, sexually explorative in a world that's screwed. But then I ended up talking so much about like mindset, self-confidence that I requested we add that self-confidence part. Um, so people know that it's not just this like salacious piece. There's there's more to it than that. It's about your vagina, your dick, and your mind, um, and your heart. You know, your heart's always there. It's an excellent tagline. And I think that's <laughs> that's true of your show too. Who do you like to read? Who do I like to read? I mean, my favorite author uh, of all time is Truman Capote. I think he's I, I, when I, I you read a Truman Capote book and then you just go, why do I even bother writing anything ever? <laughs> That's how I feel. I like the first time I read a book by Truman Capote, I was like, why? Why am I even on the planet? Like, what was the point of me even coming here? Like, it's never, I'm never going to be this good. I don't even know why anyone writes books. Um, just like the way he uses words and there's like his actual words are art. And I've never come across an author who does that. I've come across a lot of things that I love to read and that made me feel things and took me on a journey and all that stuff. But like the actual craft of curating words on paper Truman Capote, in my mind, unbeatable. Uh, I mean, like my favorite book, I love John Steinbeck's The Pearl is a book that had a huge impact on me growing up. And uh, On the Road by Jack Kerouac, that was kind of like when I didn't have money to take vacation, that for many years served as my view of of America. Um, And uh, so those are the kind of things I like to read. Uh, Nowadays, I basically only read biographies or autobiographies or just nonfiction. I read very little fiction and I watch very little fictional programming. Like I don't do a lot of scripted. I'm like a biography documentary sort of person. Hmm. Well, if you, uh, if you'd like some of the past guests on the show, I think would fit that description. I'd love to send you copies of their books. Uh, partially because my bookshelves are overflowing right now. Um, <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I think someone who's doing, I don't know if you've I've spoken to him, but someone who's doing great work in the uh, uh, nonfiction is, is John Ronson. Yes. Uh, shame something. Um, God, what was his last book that just came out? Uh, so you've been publicly shamed? Yes. Yeah. I, that One of the, I mean, I truly live my life by what would John Ronson do? And he knows this. I told him, like, I'm constantly talking about him. He'll get, like, a Google alert, and he'll email me, and he's like, did you say something nice about me? In the <laughs> I don't, I don't, John Ronson has such a unique voice. I don't really know how to um, 
the only the only thing I can say is because he just says Jonah Lara, but uh, he is oh god, I love him. I have such a huge crush on him. Everyone knows about it. My boyfriend knows about it. I'm in love with John Ronson. Ugh, he's the best. Yeah, which and, um, which is uh, that's a book that has actually been on my shelf forever. Um, and you gotta dig in. I will. I will. I mean, it's such a fascinating topic. Um, yeah. Especially for you guys who are like so, uh, you know, part of like the cultural zeitgeist, at least in the podcast world. Um, yeah, anyone who's ever gotten in a face a Facebook or a Twitter fight needs to read that book immediately. Yeah, because I think people do, people uh, like the internet because they feel like they have power, but they don't realize how destructive their power can be. They think they are these these social media heroes, and they are not. They are these people who know one eighteenth of a very complex story mm-hmm. and that's the problem just a couple of weeks ago i got in this huge facebook war with like a third cousin of mine who <laughs> put his trump thoughts accidentally on like a birthday post that somebody put on my dad's wall um, wow and i i was just i was I, I I had drank too much the night before and I said something that I wish I hadn't. And uh, he sent me like a private message. He's like, Jeff, you really don't think that, do you? And, you know, for me, it's just like I grew up with it. So it's harmless, I thought. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I realized very quickly that that is not the case. One of the things you also mentioned uh, prior to the show is about romantic relationships in general and how you have a, a what looks like a unique take on that. And I know we have, uh, typically this is the point in the show where we'd have uh, our guests talk about a story that they struggled to tell. But it sounds like as someone who has mm-hmm. uh, known relatively well who she was since age six, uh, it seems like you might not <laughs> have struggled to tell things so much as you've struggled to be understood. Yeah, that's a great way of, yeah, that's a great way of wording it. Because I was like, the most the, the most trouble I've ever had writing something was replying to your guys' email asking me about what I had trouble writing. And I was like, I don't think I can even do this podcast because I don't know what to... And, and that is the unique spin we bring to everyone's lives. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to answer this question. I was like, I don't want to say no because I'm happy to do the podcast. But I was like, I can't bring you what you need. Um, yeah. Kyle, so, we have I mean, to work on our branding. <laughs> Indeed. I think it's just a concept. I just have spent so much time thinking about relationships and I'm in one and I'm happy and I don't want to not be in this relationship that I am in. But is it making me a better person? I don't know. Is it making me feel good? Yes, absolutely. But the things that make us feel good are not uh, necessarily the things that make us better. And that's the, that's the human struggle. <laughs> you know, it's like, do I want to eat a cheeseburger every day? Absolutely. Can I do that? No, I can't. It will make me physically, you know, deteriorate. But I'm I'm miserable when I'm eating healthy. Truly miserable. <laughs> I feel bad. I, I I'm in a bad mood. Just just terrible. Um, so yeah. So it's just this is just a concept I think of. I wrote a small. I wrote a you know an article like a think piece if we can call it that because it was in Glamour. So I don't know if we can, can say it's a think piece. But I I thought about it. Um, <laughs> a piece in in Glamour basically kind of saying it's like yeah I'm in this relationship now, but. I am a huge advocate for single life, especially for women. I mean, there's there's statistics to back this up. Like women who remain single just live longer. And that's not like just a coincidence. It's because I think single men, for the most part, are very destructive towards themselves. They drink too much. They spend too much time trying to fuck women they don't take care of themselves and then but women who are single are just really getting things done because we're as behind every good man you know as the saying goes there's a strong woman the same cannot be said for women in fact most of the strong women i i i can see either are married and like don't seem that into it or are just you know what society would call like a spinster it's it's such an it's a, such a different take than I'm used to hearing. That I what do people? What well, I mean, what people like say things like, "Oh, we learn from each other, and our relationship makes us stronger." I mean, no, it's like that's called codependency. <laughs> well, it's also like, the entirety of popular culture. Yeah, absolutely. It's based around that idea. 
Yeah, we, I mean, just think of all the time that you've spent thinking about whatever sex it is you are interested in. Like that was right there. That's a colossal waste of time. Think of all the things you could have done in that time. So are you <laughs> like, saying sex, uh, sex is bad or romantic relationships no. are bad? No, sex isn't the problem. Relationships are the problem. This need that we have as humans to find this other person who we have been told to exist, who is going to complete us and make everything better, with whom we are going to build this strong life and have this partnership. I'm not saying it doesn't exist for anyone, and I certainly think there are people who uh, work well in relationships, and there are people who don't work well in relationships. There are people who thrive. But either way, even those people who kind of thrive in, grow in relationships, I think it's kind of sad that someone else had to come along for you to discover the beauty in yourself. I think there's something kind of sad about that. Um, full disclosure, I have been <laughs> in a relationship for seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very much in love with the woman I am dating right now. We've lived together for six of those years. Uh-huh. Oh, geez. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he left, he left right me away. for her. Yeah. Uh, impressive. Gross. Well, I mean, that's a very similar to Christina's living situation. Um. And I, so I wouldn't say I subscribe to the school of thought where it took her to make me a better person, but, and there's a big but, I would say that having a consistent reflection of growth and someone to be with who is there for the ups and downs, um, not necessarily to help me find the beauty in myself, but to help me realize certain aspects of myself that were not as prevalent when I was single and trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% because you're a dude. I, I think I frame, <laughs> I frame this wrong. I, I think I think I am, oh, I am no. perhaps not uh, anti-relationship f- for women. I think women are getting the raw end of the deal mm. in relationships. Because exactly what you just described, I'm sure is 100% true. I'm sure you were walking around, clothes all over your room, not being able to find yourself. Because it also has to do with men, you know, being told that they have to hide their emotions. And when you are in a relationship, a heterosexual relationship with a woman, and I think the same can be said of gay men, but they're just better with handling their emotions in general. Like you then have this person who you have a trust with and you can be sensitive and you can cry in front of. And of course, that's going to make you a better person. I mean, I think that this is such a subjective thing. Um, you know, I can point to quite a few relationships that I've had where, you know, either me or, or my partner has wanted to make it like more of an open thing. And like somebody is never happy. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I've also had relationships where it's the exact opposite where like, we're just really stoked to be like with one another. Um, and I mean, it really depends on like the people involved, the point of your life that you're in. Uh, and I mean, I think an argument can be made on both sides. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a solution or an answer. It's not like I think uh, like open relationships are the, are the way to go. Cause I've, I don't think that works either. I just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's something that has maybe yet to be discovered, some form of, of living that has yet to be discovered. <laughs> I wouldn't even, yeah, and I've, I'm in the same boat, and I would not necessarily say that I disagree. I would come back to the general branding versus the specific branding. Uh, the, the thing that I rationalize and the way that I, uh, I view it as someone who has also been relatively sure of who I was from a relatively young age just by way of being made fun of until I was sure what I didn't want. Um, for me, I I view it from the, the perspective of I would have gotten here anyways, with or without her, and that having her is a net benefit versus not having her. I mean, but also, I don't think that's true, knowing you when you were 22. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Vote of confidence. Thanks for asking the question that I was going to ask anyway. I was like, really? <laughs> would you confidence have? From I would. I, I feel like I honestly would have. A journey of I mean, I remember you like smoking cigarettes self. in the living room after you ate half a pizza by yourself. Hey, well, man. that sounds like the life I right? want to be like. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's still the best version of myself. Well, Corinne, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can You're we welcome. all? Where can all of our listeners find you online? Um, so my website is corinnefisher.com. It's C-O-R-I-N-N-E-F-I-S-H-E-R. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff as Philanthropy Gal. And you can listen to the Guys We Fucked podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. And pre-order your book, right? 
Oh yeah, that too. I forgot about that. Pre- <laughs> yeah, God, it's like it's because it's, just because it's not a reality to me still because I literally have so much work left to do on that book. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it really is going to be wonderful. I'm very proud of it, and I have uh, very high expectations for everything I do as well as others. So it's called "Fucked: Being Sexually Explorative and Self Confident in a World That's Screwed," and it's available for pre-order now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, some independent online real- retailers, whatever you want, and uh, the. The upside to ordering it now is that we'll shout you on the podcast, and also it's cheaper. So just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Thank you well, so thank much you. for joining us, Corinne. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and- you for having me. Have a good night. Another episode of Writers Who Don't Write in the Books. Kyle, what'd you think of that? How was it throwing your personal life out there? Uh, I just hope it doesn't sound as dumb as it felt. Well, we cut out all the bad parts, so it's no big deal. Uh, Anyway, that was Corinne Fisher, uh, guest this week. She is one of two hosts of Guys We Fucked. You should check out the podcast. It's great. Uh, Wherever podcasts are sold, uh, you can find more info from her at CorinneFisher.com. If you Google her name, it will come up. Uh, The spelling looks right to me, but um, I know some people will probably screw it up. So it's C-O-R-I-N-N-E-F-I-S-H-E-R.com. Uh, you can pre-order her book, Fucked, which is co-written by the co-host of Guys We Fucked, Christina Hutchinson. It's coming out in October. Uh, it sounds great. You all just heard Corinne talking about it. You can also see her in person at a new charity comedy show at Secret Brooklyn Locations called Undie Party. You can find that info at her website as well. And you can follow her on Twitter at PhilanthropyGal. Uh, I think all of her social media has that tag. So check her out. Tell her if you like the show. Tell us if you like the show. We are writers who don't write. You can find us online at www.podcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a newsletter at tinyletter.com slash podcast. We are available wherever podcasts are presented through an RSS feed that desperately needs to be updated. Uh, remember, we're brand new on Acast, so give us a follow over there. Uh, the music that you hear at the top and the bottom of the hour is from Ryan Dan of Holland Patent Public Library. Check him out on SoundCloud. He's working on a new album. If you give him a big subscribe, I'm sure you're going to love the pieces that he puts out. You also heard very briefly, uh, right before the ad music, Ben Sound, which you can find at bensound.com. I love his music. It's great. It's all Creative Common, and it's free, so you can use it for your podcast. Uh, Next week on the show, we are going to have Colin Barrett, who is the author of Young Skins, which is a great novel out of Ireland, came to New York and the rest of the U.S. about two years ago. Uh, He racked up all kinds of awards. He is super funny. Uh, So check it out. And thanks for joining us. Thank you.